God, we give you thanks for today. We give you thanks for a reminder, another wake-up call. A reminder every year that you came that all your glory, all your power was wrapped up in something so small that we can hold in our arms. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you can give us understanding of the words that John the Baptist was sharing, that you can give us understanding of what the gospel writer was trying to say. And I pray that we can have more understanding of who you are, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. So before I start, we have visitors for the first time today. They're right there in the middle. I told them if they sit here, I, was, I will call them now, but I lie. Sorry. They're right. So before, before you leave, you want to give them a six feet high or... If you see them outside, just ask them their name, how they are, how they get here, and who they have to blame for being here. Um, so we're in the second Sunday of Advent. And I, I really... I'm always off. There we go. Come on. I really like this passage that we have for today. And again, I really, really like the Eugene Peterson's translation. So I'm going to go right to it. And it says, The good news of Jesus Christ, the message, begins here, following the, to the letter, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Watch closely. I'm sending my preacher ahead of you. He'll make the road smooth for you. Thunder in the desert. Prepare for God's arrival. Make the road smooth and straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wild, preaching a baptism of life change that leads to forgiveness of sin. People thronged to him from Judea and Jerusalem, and as they confessed their sin, were baptized by him in the Jordan River into a changed life. John wore a camel habit, tied at the waist with a leather belt, and he ate locusts and wild-filled honey. As he preached, he said, The real action comes next. The star in this drama, to whom I am a mere stagehand, will change your life. I'm baptizing you here in the river, turning your old life in for a kingdom life. His baptism... A holy baptism, a holy baptism by the Holy Spirit will change you from the inside out. So John, what was he talk, What was he saying? The real action starts next. There was a lot, there was a big fuss happening with John the Baptist being preaching. There were a lot of people that were really not happy with him. And so people were thinking that, okay, maybe he, this is the one who is going to start what we have been waiting for. But what John, John is saying is like, actually, 
This is merely a trailer. The real action comes next. So let me just give you an idea of what, what I think is going on here. So when I grew up, my mom and my dad, they had two jobs. So we, when we woke up, we wake up, they were already at work, and they didn't come home until 5 or 6 p.m. Uh, so my grandma was living with us. So she, she was pretty much the one that, that raised us. She was the one cleaning. She was the one cooking. And every time my mom or my siblings and I would get together, we always remember one of the same stories from my grandma. And it's like, if it was a weekend or a holiday, you're excited because you get to sleep more. Especially if you're a kid, you're excited because you're going to wake up late. And if breakfast or food is not ready, you just watch some TV, and you just do absolutely nothing during the day. But that was not the case in my house. Every time that a holiday happened, you were sleeping, in my case, for example, and then you suddenly start hearing this. Federico! Get up! You need to run errands for me. 8 a.m. Every time. Can you imagine just waking up to that scream? It's like you're sleeping. You're okay. You're comfortable. And if it's winter, you're warm. And then somebody just screams at you. And pretty much is telling you to get up because you have to get out and run errands. That was the worst. She didn't have to wake us up like that. But she did, every time. And it didn't matter that we knew that she was going to do that. Every time it was a surprise. And we hated it. And now we, we just look back and we laugh about it, and we still hate it. And this is pretty much, to me, what John the Baptist is doing to Israel. He's telling them, wake up. You have been sleeping long enough. It is time for you to wake up. This is what John the Baptist, baptism means. Baptizing them with water. Inviting them to a new changed life. Because the one that is coming after is going to baptize them in a different way and is going to change them from the inside out. But for that, they need to wake up. And the thing is that this is not what people expected. When Israel heard or repeated over and over again the stories about God, the expectation was different. They were expecting that when they hear about the um, coming or the arrival of the Messiah, the Messiah was going to free them from the Roman Empire. But instead, they had this prophet telling them, you need to repent. Now, people don't like to be told when they're wrong. And asking them to repent is pretty much telling them, you, you're wrong. You need to repent. And people don't like it. That's why John's head ended on a silver 
platter. Nowadays, they don't put you in a silver platter, they just force you to quit. But the story here is repeated over and over again. This thing that John was saying to them, it's not something new. This thing, so like we do in Easter, like we do in Advent, like we do in Christmas, we read all the time the same passages. We have been reading the same passages for almost 2,000 years. We read the Easter passages. We have the wake-up call that comes from Advent. We read Jesus' genealogy in Christmas. Over and over again, we hear these stories. And Israel is doing the same thing. They repeat the same stories of how God freed them. Uh, freed them. Freed them? Freed them? Yes, freed them. Sounds wrong for some reason. I'm not an expert in English, but sounds wrong. Um, Freedom from uh, Egypt and Pharaoh. They repeated over and over again the stories of how the plagues tormented him. They share over and over again how God came during the night as a pillar of fire and how it came as a cloud during the day over and over again. And what John is doing here is sharing the same story but with a twist. John right now is telling these people, this is the remake. We are redoing, we're not, re- we're not telling this story anymore. We are redoing it. We are reliving it. And now you're part of the cast. Now you're a cast member. These stories that we have been sharing over and over again, that's happening now, and you are cast members of this story. They, they, the Israel of the day, they were looking at the wrong direction and going, therefore, in the wrong direction. That's why he was calling them to repent, repentance. He was saying the way we have been doing things is not the way it's supposed to be done. Our goal is not the goal that we're supposed to have. And because we are not having the goal that we're supposed to have, we're walking in, the wrong, walking in the wrong direction. So it's time to wake up, Israel. It's time for you to stop dreaming. Because the time is happening right now. We are living it right now. So he needed for Israel to smarten up. It is not just a matter of waking up. But you need to be aware of what's going on. Because they did not know what to expect. Because they were sleepy. Because they were sleeping. Because they were not completely thinking about the way that God usually works. They were expecting probably, when it was, the story was shared about liberation, they were expecting probably that pillar of fire. They were probably expecting that cloud They were probably expecting um, plagues to come. But they were not expecting God to come in the shape of Jesus. And because God did not come in the way that they were expecting, they were not able to recognize God walking among them. Now, it's not very different nowadays. 
We still are temple center. We still are storytellers. We repeat stories over and over again. We are comfortable. Our understanding of how God works has not changed in generations. Because we storytellers, we repeat the same story over and again, over and over again. So we may probably have to start smarting up like John is pretty much calling their people. Like Israel sharing the Passover story, we share these Advent stories over and over again. And the problem with sharing the story over and over again without a deep consideration is that we expect God to act in the same way that acted 2,000 years ago. In the same way that Israel was expecting God to act in the same way um, that God acted with Egypt, we're expecting Jesus to come in the same way that he came 2,000 years ago. So history tends to repeat itself. I shared this morning in a prayer that God doesn't change, but doesn't seem like we change either. Because God surprises us over and over again, and we are surprised over and over again. When God speaks true into a society, we don't like it. We move on. We look back and say, oh, they were right. It happened with Martin Luther during the uh, Reformation. By that time, many people thought that he was just an antichrist. Now we look back and we are like, oh, gosh, he was right. Happened with Martin Luther King. He, people did not appreciate him in his time. Only less than 30% of approval in the U.S. for Martin Luther King. Now we look back and we see, gosh, he was a prophet. Again, we don't change. So I guess the question that we have to ask ourselves is this. Where are we sleep today? In our churches? Are we sleep in our communities? Are we sleep in our personal life? What might take to wake us up. This is John's call. John the Baptist calls for us today. Wake up. If you're expecting Jesus to come in the same way he came 2,000 years ago, well, you need to revisit how God had acted through history. And you can go to scripture of that. Because God likes to act in different ways. He likes, likes to surprise us in different ways. So let me share this story with you. There is an ancient story that speaks of the second coming of the Messiah. It is said that he arrived anonymously on a dull Monday morning at the gates of a great city to go about his father's business. There was much for him to do. While many years had passed since his last visit, the same suffering was present all around. Still there were the poor, 
the sick and the oppressed. And still there were the outcasts and still there were the righteous who pitied them and the authorities who oppressed them. For a long time, no one took any notice of this desert wonder with his weather-beaten face and rock-dusty clothes, this quiet man who spent his time living among the sick and the unwanted. This great city labored on like a mammoth beast, ignorant of the one who dwelt within them. The story goes that the Messiah eventually decides to reveal his identity to a chosen few who remained faithful to his teachings. These people met together in a tiny unknown church on the outskirts of the city to pray and serve the poor. As the Messiah entered the modest sanctuary one Sunday morning, his eyes fell upon a tiny group huddled in the corner, each one praying and weeping for the day of the Lord. As they prayed, those who gathered in the church slowly began to feel, feel the gaze of Christ penetrating their souls. Silence began to descend within the circle as they realized who had entered their sacred home. But for a time, no one dared to speak. So the leader of this group gathered her courage, approached Christ, fell at his feet and cried. We have waited so long for your return. For many years, we have waited patiently for you to come. Today, as with every other day, we pray passionately for your arrival. Then she stood up and looked Christ in the eyes. Now that you are with us, we have but one question. Christ listened, knowing already what it would be. So she asked, tell us, Christ, when will you arrive? The Messiah did not answer, but simply smiled. Then he joined the others in their prayers and tears, and he remained, remains there. To this day, waiting, watching, serving in a tiny church, an unknown church on the outskirts of the city. This is what I'm talking about with a wake-up call. This is what this story is talking about. Christ was among them. This person recognized Christ and still asked him, when will you arrive? So we cannot desire that that we don't know. And if we don't know it, we're not going to recognize it. So we desire God. But if we don't know God, when God dwells among us, we are not going to be able to recognize God. And this translates to today. We are so focused on our way of doing church. And it's so similar to the way that church was being done in Jesus' time. What makes us think that Christ will meet us here today? What is different? 
If Christ didn't care for buildings back then, why will he care now? Every story that we read about Christ, he's always with those that nobody wants. He's always with the outcasts. He's always with the poor. He's always with the oppressed. He's always with the one in need. We don't see him fighting for things that don't change people's lives. Things that keep status quo. So let me ask you again. Where are you asleep today? Are you sleeping in your churches? Are you sleeping in your communities, in your personal life? And what it might take to wake you up? This is how sleep gets people worried. Because when he was healing people, people just gather around him. When he was doing Messiah-like things. But in the moment that Jesus did not stop the Romans, did not overthrow the Pharisees that were um, in cahoots with the Romans oppressing their people, in the moment that Jesus was captured, they left him alone. They thought they were mistaken. The God that they desired was not the God that they knew. They did not know God. Therefore, when God walked among them, they did not recognize him in Jesus. But that did not stop him. Because even though Jesus knew this, he still loved them. Even if you're asleep today, even if I'm asleep today, even if we desire a different God than the God that actually we are supposed to desire. Maybe if we, even if we are not able to see Christ around us, the good news is that his disciples abandoned him and Jesus still shared a table with them. So the good news in that is that we are welcome in that table too. So you have a piece of bread and you have juice in your table. I invite my family to come with me. We're going to have communion. Everybody is welcome to share communion because Jesus did not reject anybody. We are called to not reject anybody either. So this is the story. That the God who freed Israel with power and might. Then the God who overthrown every single of Egypt's gods with plagues and opening the sea. The God that led Israel through the night and through the day. The God that fed them with miracles came in flesh and blood, gave himself, was tortured, and was killed. And he told them, told his friends, And the night that he was sharing the last meal with them, he took the bread, he blessed it and said, this is my body that will be broken for you.
I invite you to break the bread and share it with everybody in your table. And then when dinner was over, he took the cup and said, this is my blood, will be shed for the healings of the nations. Every time that you eat this bread, every time you drink this cup, you're announcing my dad until I return. So brothers and sisters, I invite you to Eat the bread, you can either dip it in the cup, or you can eat the bread and drink from the cup. In whatever tradition you're more used to. And look at each other and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. And when you drink the juice, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. So now with the confidence that we might be still sleeping and we need to wake up, that Christ loves us, that he died for us, that he came back to life and that he will come again. With the confidence of being called daughters and sons of God, I invite you to repeat with me the prayer that Jesus taught us. So stand if you're able. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lure us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, from thy in the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Amen. Sisters and brothers, hear the good news. That even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. So wake up. Eat the bread. Drink the juice. Live your life. And celebrate the good news that Christ and the kingdom of God is with and among us.